Hello, GGR fans. Here in the Pacific Northwest, we're already missing the Northwest Cup. We can't wait to get back to racing. GGR had a great year. We had over 51 kids, racers of all ages from 5 to 18, racing 14 different venues, including Nationals and the World Cup, with our first racer heading over there. Good job, Tobin. All thanks to our sponsors like Northwest Conversions, hey Tyler, Transition Bikes, Fanatic, March Northwest, Census, 1UP, High Above, WNBC, and all the other local heroes that help us put the team together and keep the races going, including the two people I'm going to talk to today. Our newest sponsor, Jank Components, is run by Eric Olson, coach and local pro. The kids love him. He donates tons of time, and Andrew. That between the two of them, they put up an amazing season. They're the ones that make up the Fanatic Enduro team, and I hope you enjoy the podcast with them. Yeah. You win a couple of races, and the next thing you know, you want to be called by your proper first name. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sometimes. Andrew, Eric, thanks for thanks for swinging by, fellas. Thanks for having us. Welcome. It's great to be here. Can you guys uh, introduce yourselves a little bit? People don't know you. I'm Eric Olson. I'm Andrew. <laughs> What's your last name? Cave. It's spelt spelt C A V A Y E. Pronounced Cave. A lot of people mess it up, but yeah, we're the I fanatic have to look at it every time I type it. Yeah, I've, a presenter came up and asked me how to say it for the podium, and he still messed it up. So, yeah. But anyway, we're Eric and Andrew, and we're the Fanatic Enduro team. So we race for Forbidden Bike Company, Fanatic Bike Co., Fox Suspension, Hayes Brakes, One Up Components, Jank Components, Schwalbe Tires, and Race Face Wheels and Apparel. Yep, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty tight. How much work, a lot of the younger racers on the team ask me, and you've talked about it before, you talked with them some, how much work goes into just getting the sponsors on board and getting everyone together? What's that process look like? You don't have to give us all the ins and outs. but Yeah, um, I mean, it's a lot of work. Andrew and I have been doing a big chunk of our like email like proposals recently. Yeah, it's like it's like half the job right now, pretty much. Um, once you get it sorted, it's not not a crazy amount of work throughout the work. You're just kind of fulfilling your obligations. But right now in the off season, it's you're doing a lot of the legwork for the whole season. So it's a lot of work and a lot of uh, back and forth and sorting out. But it is worth it if you do it right. Uh, the brands, the brands like content, and you guys have put a lot of content out this this year. And what was your favorite piece? You guys think you guys worked on? Oh, I thought the mullet test, we did a mixed wheel size time test. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. The mullet test was probably the most interesting, mostly because we thought there'd be a big difference but between the wheels, but there really wasn't. It was exactly the same. Do you yeah. think, do you think you'd find more of a difference if you did more, more runs? Let's say we were doing more of a show because you guys were pedaling, right? Yeah. That day. If you had more time, if it was. Yeah. We, we still did a fair amount of runs. Like we did like three or four runs. Like, we did four runs each, yeah. so eight runs total. I think what the people want for that testing is to take it to a more technical track because we were just at Galbraith on Atomic Dog, which is fine, but we could take it to some pretty legit yeah, stuff. Like steeper or tighter corners yeah. might expose a difference. I think we'll have to do another one. Yeah. It was also really fun filming with uh, Fanatic's in-house 
film guru Doug. We did a just a shred it. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a great uh, experience, and that was probably one of the best videos in terms of like value for our sponsors and stuff. That yeah, got we shared got on, around quite a bit on Pink Bike homepage. You know, just anytime your video actually makes it to a larger audience, like whether it's reposted or reshared by the brands, that's that's the best because you no matter what, you had to put in the effort to make the video. So the more people you can get it in front of, the better. Um, and yeah, like like you said, media is a big part of what we do as a team. We're, we're at the races. We love to race. But we also back it up with these video projects because we understand that not everyone's into racing. And also, you know, that was kind of born out of like during COVID, we didn't have racing opportunities as much as normal and so you have these like you have to pay off your gear some way or another whether you bought it or you're sponsored you you have to like make that up to the people who gave you the stuff and um that's what we were just talking about earlier we're, we're sorting all that out right now with our sponsors but if you can have a media aspect then it takes the pressure off of the racing if there is no racing, you can still deliver something. Um, it it kind of kept us going through a rough patch for racers. Like I think quite a few people lost their sponsors. Yeah. I mean, the the people who were smart started making videos. Um, whether it's like our favorite thing to do or not, like mm. doesn't really matter. Like I mean, for me personally, I, I, I really like to make so videos. It, it seemed to me as a as a consumer of all things mountain biking on the other side of the screen it's almost like uh going from silent movies to talking movies you know the, the people who were the people who had you know both were balanced just seemed like they were in a they were in a great spot you know even though uh even yeah. that was happening one of the things i wish i could have recorded mentally you know and you wish your eyes are a, a video recorder you could share with something is when you guys came through the waterfall on your bikes at the Northwest Cup. Mm -hmm. And I think it'd be worth talking about a little bit of the capability of of your bikes because I think you really showed them off <laughs> when you could come fly through there on trail bikes. Yeah. I almost lost my mind. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think about the, the Forbidden Bikes being like a small trail bike, but particularly with the Dreadnought, like... I felt pretty close to being on a downhill bike. I have a downhill background. I'm kind of used to riding the bigger bikes and I don't really feel like the Dreadnought held me back. Like it was almost good in some sense because I could like pedal it a bit better and it was a bit faster to move around. Um, but there were some super fast, just crazy rough sections where you just literally just were holding on and just trying to get through it. Um, yeah. But Eric was on his top, on his freaking uh, small bike. Yeah, so. I was on the Druid for the Northwest Cup, and <laughs> it still ate it up, which is amazing. I mean, I don't have nearly as much downhill background as Andrew, so I don't really know any different. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Best but, not to find out. Yeah, but now that I have a Dreadnought, that's the most bike I've ever had, and yeah. it feels... You know, in my perspective, like I can't imagine a downhill bike feeling significantly different. Um, and then one thing, if I did own a downhill bike, I don't know how often I'd really get to ride it and practice on it. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't maybe be at my best at the race yeah. 
versus being there on my enduro bike, I'm totally dialed in on that thing. And I, I trust that it's capable of the downhill racing. It's capable I, yeah. not only for the downhill race, but for travel purposes as well. Like trying to get to, uh, to yeah. said race from Bellingham. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, bikes are great. You can, you know, switch a few little parts out and mm. you can pedal your Druid all the way from your house in Bellingham to dry hill. As long as you and have then, a bag of M&M's. Yeah, you just need a bag of M&M's. <laughs> that was Quick awesome. Quick 140 miles, you know, and then you're racing downhill. So at that at that, partic- at that first Northwest Cup where all the pros and everyone showed up, there, it's hard to describe to people who weren't there, but as a spectator, when you're climbing up that waterfall, it's, it's a treacherous climb. You're mm-hmm. almost on all fours and pulling on trees trying to make it up that section of trail to yeah. watch and, and to go heckle. And um, about three feet prior to the waterfall, there's a little root on Ryder's uh, right. Mm-hmm. And Andrew is one of two or three people that you boosted off of that thing. Yeah. And you landed at the bottom yeah. next to a tree. And I was standing right there and was like, whole, holy beep. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Well, I just came through there. I knew it was a yank, so I just, I just, yanked, I just yanked it. The, the worst part for me is because you're hitting that so fast and laying at the bottom, you just, there's like moto whoops at the bottom of that. Yeah. And so I'm just full on like front wheel, back wheel, moto whooping through this thing, like using every bit of travel in my arms to try and hold on to this thing. And, uh, but that was one of the better sections because there was like actually spectators. There wasn't a lot of spectators this year. It was nice to have a, a big crowd. Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, I've never wore blue jerseys. Yeah, from the race. GGR. <laughs> we had the best heckle squad of anyone out there from GGR. Like, I, I'm convinced we had the most decibels when we came through of anyone. It doesn't matter. There were World Cup guys there, and we were getting more cheers. I'm pretty sure. It's true. Which right? is amazing. That's true. Yeah. And then, Take that, Charlie Harrison. <laughs> one thing, uh, one thing, a question about the mullet. Back to the mullet, though. Did you? Did either one of you wind up deciding to go that route, or did you? Um, or did you go straight? We're both tall, so yeah. we haven't had any like tire buzzing on our butt issues, and we think that that might be one of the biggest advantages for someone who wasn't on like a large or an extra large. It might be way more beneficial. I don't know. Yeah, I uh, my druid came stock as a mullet, and that's what I run it like day in day out, just locally. Um, but after the testing, I switched to full twenty nine just because I thought it was just way more efficient. Like I felt the twenty nine was better for racing because it just holds the speed rolling like way better than the than the mullet. I was finding the mullet was getting hung up a lot more, and you f- you feel yourself getting slowed down by the bumps, like just in a straight line, whereas. For racing, if you're pedaling hard and trying to hold as much speed as possible, the 29er just kind of smoothed it out a bit more. So for every race this year, I switched it to 29 and then switched it back for local. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think we're both pretty much on full 29, but that's just us. You know, like we did our testing, we figured out how it felt, and we chose that. You know, I think everyone, if you have the opportunity to try both, really that that's like the way to go with any bike or any setup you just got to try it yeah and right. obviously that's tricky if you don't have access to the equipment but 
sometimes, you know, at least in a place like Bellingham, maybe your buddy has a bike, like you can give him a, a beer or whatever and try it out. That's usually the best way to just get your hands on as many things as you can not necessarily buying them, just trying them. Uh, yeah, and that's just for racing for me too. I find the mullet is super fun just to ride just for fun every day just because it rips in the corners and I'm not so worried about carrying maximum speed everywhere. It's just a fun bike to run in mullet and it's, I don't know, a little different. Yeah, and yeah it's but just your, a, your daily driver's a little different though. My daily driver, uh, I have a hardtail, which I run in the winter quite a bit, um, but... If I'm not on the hardtail, then I'm pretty much on the dreadnought the whole time. And that just kind of, I mean, it pedals really well. I'll pedal everything on it, but it's also just my all-out enduro send rig. The wintertime hardtail, is that just to, does that just keep your skills up? Yeah, it's um, just a little low maintenance and it's just fun to not be worried about going as fast as possible. It's good skills. It teaches you to be smooth and like traction and all that stuff and it's just a little more challenging to ride in the wet and um you just get bounced around a bit more it makes the regular trails like it makes the blue trails that you ride every other day interesting because there's bumps and stuff that you got to hit and you're trying to stay smooth and it's just a bit more interesting when you're not riding like the crazy gnarly mountainous stuff in the winter with your uh with your wheels from race face right is that that's mm-hmm. your race face race face wheels mm-hmm. yeah you you have your choice i imagine when you talk to them of what they make what do you mm-hmm. what do you use from them so we're on the um the next r so that there are the carbon wheels right and to be honest with you i think both of us like most enduro racers are skeptical of carbon wheels yeah um, but we got the carbon wheels and we thrashed them as hard as we possibly could. Yeah. We have been hammering them <laughs> and we can't break them. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for. Like they're awesome. And then race face backs it up. Like if you did break one, they just send you a new one. It's, yeah. it's awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I've had some pretty suspicious carbon wheels in the past that I've blown through really fast and. So before we even started racing, I tried my very best to break these wheels before the racing even started, and I couldn't do it. So that was pretty confidence-inspiring. Yeah, I haven't even broken a single spoke. Actually, correction, I broke a spoke in your Colt, but that wasn't a wheel thing. That was a rolling rock hitting my spokes. Yeah, like, but then the wheels come with five extra spokes. Exactly, so I just pop one in, and I'm good. And uh, But yeah, I have absolutely done horrendous things to them and just i haven't even touched a spoke all season and well eric you know a bit about composites yeah and so from a composites engineer standpoint i guess you probably haven't taken a taken a sawzall to one and looked at a cross section but to be honest i i think they just have done a really good job of reducing any weird q a imperfections doesn't seem like they have any like voids they haven't tried to make them too light they don't have any weird seams or stress risers i don't know they just seem well engineered and that's really what's kind of rising to the top i think a lot of people think of we are one um as like that you know made in canada and looking between the two i think there's a ton of similarities and race face is also you know canadian brand you 
you break one and they'll ship you a new one from Vancouver, BC, Canada. It's pretty sweet. Canadians are so nice. Yeah, they are really nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, the We Are One guys are talking about helping out GGR uh, kids this year. But that's really that's really cool to hear about that. And you, you have a choice. So if you wanted to run aluminum, I mean, you would have a choice. That's a great endorsement that the, you guys tried to break them. So something else I noticed about, about both of you this year, just as a fan, you know, don't, it's not meaning to be weird or anything like that. Okay. So, uh, uh, but you're, uh, both of you got faster this season. Yeah. Without a doubt. Both of you got faster this season. And so what, what besides everybody just like hard work, but I just watched you guys Mm. have such a great season. Well, I'd say I had a pretty slow start to the year just because last year, the COVID and everything, there wasn't a lot of racing and you just, you just not race fit. And I think, uh, well, this is the first year that I've had a dialed in like consistent strength, like in the gym program on top of my riding. And I've also had a set schedule every week. It's like the biggest thing is the consistency of training. Um, it's not like a on or off switch. It's more of a dial. So when you're feeling cooked, you just dial it down a little bit or it's never just, I'm not, I'm not training. It's I'm going to train a little less or just adjust it. Um, so that was the biggest thing is just that having a consistent training program throughout the whole year. And I felt just as we went through the year, we had more practice and we were racing all the time. I don't even know how many times. And, uh, just with practice, you get the race craft and the race mental aspect and you just get in the, get in the groove of putting together race runs. And, uh, that kind of led to us just getting better throughout the whole year. Yeah. I think, uh, you mentioned that like improving throughout the season it in the past, I think I actually, started with more structure. I was training super hard coming into the season and I would peak really early and then I would kind of lose my motivation at the end of the season. So this season was maybe the first time I felt like I stayed strong and consistent through the season instead of starting out with some amazing result for like the first couple races of the season and then just crashing after that and feeling like I was burnt out for the whole rest of the season. I think what I actually did differently, Andrew's talking about structure in the past, I've worked more closely with coaches or I've done, you know, a really strict training plan throughout the season, but that's really hard to hold yourself to. Like Andrew said, we have a ton of races. So I actually just allowed myself a little bit more flexibility than I have in the past. I still know what I need to do to get in shape, but I kept in mind the long game of the whole season instead of just getting really excited for the first month and then (laughs) crashing. Um, I worked with Brian of Ascent Strength and Conditioning last winter, and so I had more strength and conditioning base as well this year than I've ever had. Um, But yeah, just (laughs) actually maybe less training in the Mm. season was more in, in my case, just because I'm a very excitable person and I just can go all out too early. And sometimes maybe your most important races come later in the season. So yeah, yeah, totally. I think the structure was the main thing that helped me just stay consistent throughout the whole season because it, it almost, it was a lot like, I don't know, 
12 hours a week ride time, like actual moving time on the bike, and then two times in the gym for a couple of hours a week. And that structure held me to like a minimum amount and a maximum. So I didn't just go crazy and totally burn myself out and overtrain for a week, for a week and just get completely cooked. I would find myself finishing the session and wanting more and keeping, keeping me stoked to get another one because you're just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just, I'm, I'm fulfilling my plan and I'm just going through and being consistent and not getting too burnt out. Yeah, it seems yeah. a lot, probably most athletes that I've seen are in, in, in some state of overtraining. Yeah. And it's easy that, to do. And that leads to burn. Then that leads to burnout. Yeah. They, and finding that finding that bounce is pretty key. Did you? Who did you use for your strength and conditioning? Um, I used Dialed Health. Uh, not supported at all, but I would give a great shout out to him. It's been super good. He's just a full online uh, coaching service. is pretty cheap. Um, NorCal, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we, yeah. We've spoken. He's actually. Offer, he, he's interested in helping the team as well. Yeah, I would totally go for that. Um, yeah, he's a ex-racer out of California. He really knows about bikes and training. And uh, yeah, so I've been using him. He's an online program. So I just have like an app on my phone and I go to the gym and I have months and months of uh, structured workout plans specifically for cyclist strength programs. And I just... Uh, go through the motions and he's got a podcast as well that I listen to a lot and that's been really good on like how to how to like structure my and like pace my training like in terms of getting burnt out and stuff he has a lot of good stuff to say um and yeah that's probably been the biggest uh key to my performance this year yeah another aspect for me that's maybe a little different on the mental side of things um this was the first season where I wasn't worried about my results or I guess it's not the first season, but it had been a little while since I wasn't concerned with getting good enough results to be like worried about getting sponsored for the next season or having support, losing that support. It's a weird game because just when things, when I just had a really good season and had gotten more support, we went into uh, a pandemic Mm -hmm. and there was no racing And I was really concerned for those few races that I had about performing really well. Like it was like a make or break situation. And of course, probably half of those races, I just completely crumpled under the pressure that I'd put on myself. Um, So I learned from that this season. And uh, I realized, you know, honestly, like our media (laughs) was just as valuable. And that took some of that pressure off and allowed me to get back to how I felt racing before I was, you know, supported by anyone, which is having a great time just riding the best I can and not worrying about the results. Um, yeah, I think that was part of what made this season work out so well, similar to how maybe two years ago, three years ago, I had had those kind of breakout races where I was like, whoa, where did that come from? I had that feeling again for the first nice. time in a while, and I was really excited That's about awesome. that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably on the opposite end of that where I came over to Bellingham in uh, just before COVID hit 2020 and then no racing and I had absolutely no idea how I stack up. I'm in a completely new place, new riding, never seen a wet route in my life. And, <laughs> and, uh, it's really sad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, was, I had no idea how I was going to stack up and uh, I didn't have a lot of support, so... 
coming into this year, I was just super motivated to get some good results. But well, I wasn't really like, I didn't have a result in mind. I just had wanted to do my best just to see how I stacked up. And I felt a little behind the ball because a lot of these people have been to these places before. They know the tracks, they've raced there before. And every single race for, for me was completely new, which was actually pretty sick because I get to ride new tracks like every week. But I just didn't know how I'd do. And it turned out doing pretty well, but that was probably because of all the preparation. So you so you would say winning the overall at Cascadia Dirt Cup is doing pretty well? I guess that so. Seems a little, <laughs> yeah. It sounds a little muted. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> is that a surprise? Yeah, totally. Like, But it's almost uh, like anticlimactic now because I achieved what I wanted to do, which was awesome and great. But now next year, if I don't win, it's like, oh, that sucks. Whereas... If I hadn't have won this year, next year, if I got like a top five, I'd be like, yeah, sweet. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Whereas now I'm like, well, maybe oh. you'll get into that weird funk that I was in last season, but I, I don't think you will. Yeah. We've got EWS to keep yeah. us really yeah. so busy. I was just going to say, so, so next year does look, looks different from, from this year. So what's the plans for next year without revealing any secrets? Um, I mean, I feel like I can just reveal it a little bit, but... We're, we're going to be racing uh, EWS in Europe and then also in North America, Whistler, uh, Vermont, and Maine. And then in Europe, we're going to be racing in UK, um, Austria, Slovenia, and Italy. That's the plan. Um, yeah, and then Andrew's got a slightly different program than I've got, so I'll yeah. let him go first. I, I, won't let it, I won't reveal anything of Eric's, but um, yeah, so next year gonna be a little less focused on like Cascadia than what I had this year and like the local racing so my main focus is going to be the EWS doing six rounds the ones that Eric said so three in Europe and three in North America so I'm super stoked for that I've been I've raced to the Italian EWS where it is next year before and it was sick and then uh well, rewind two years. Um, before I came to Bellingham, I lived in a van in Europe for six months or so, and I did a bunch of EWSs. So that was a super good experience, but I totally was out of my depth. It didn't help that I was racing with a broken wrist. So, and I was just totally out of my depth and uh, kind of got my ass handed to me. <laughs> Not too bad. Like, I was in within the top 60. And uh, which but that, gives you an idea of how competitive these races are. Like, yeah, you're fighting for top 100 in, in the world, basically. Yeah, and they're not getting any easier, and they're just getting harder and harder. Um, yeah, we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm going into next year feeling much more prepared, just having lived here and ridden proper terrain and being able to experience the type of tracks that we're going to be racing, whereas. Last time I was coming in just super underprepared from Australia. Like we don't even have like tracks like over two minutes and they're just not steep or, or as technical or as anything compared to Europe. So next year I'm feeling much better about it, but yeah. It doesn't explain Bryn Atkinson and Sam Hill and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, they're a different... Like, more. Yeah. yeah, it seems like, it seems like there's tons I mean, of talent coming know, out of here. That, that is actually insane. This one thing I've noticed, like, I don't know how... I've ridden in Adelaide where, like, Troy Brosnan and stuff is from, and I don't know how they go from riding what they do, like, not crazy technical tracks, just, like, dusty, nothing crazy. Did you and, host Formula One? What? <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't get that. Yeah. What? What? Australia. That's why? For me? I don't get if it. You have, well, he doesn't know. So at least I have I a don't theory. Get, I don't understand what you're saying either. They're racing fans in Australia. I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe just years of them racing in Europe. Like yeah. they've been, those guys weren't overnight successes. Yeah. Maybe Sam no, Hill was. No, but that, no yeah. but they're also, also part of that. Part of that culture, a gap year isn't strange in Australia, right? No, getting, definitely. Getting out and seeing the world, it seems like it's your civic duty. Yeah. Uh, yeah they so, are race fans. Yeah, I just, I just don't know how they someone goes from what they ride in Australia to winning a World Cup at the first round at like a mudder in Europe. Like, I don't, I don't know how they do that. That's, Mysteries. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they're a different breed. We, we say that, but we also do understand because sometimes we train all winter in the wet on wet routes and whatever. And then we go and start the season in California on some dry, dusty rocks. And, and I'm you, just rubbing my hands together. Like, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think it's just experience. It's not necessarily your experience like a month before it's your experience over your entire riding career. So if, if Troy Brosnan has raced world cup for years, sure. He hasn't been riding wet tracks like a week ago. But he's ridden a lot of wet tracks, yeah. so he's confident, and that's really what it comes down to. Is he he knows he's put in the work, he feels good, and he's really confident. And we're gonna just try and do a miniature version of that going into <laughs> Europe, and I we're gonna, gonna kill see it. what, what happens. It, how's a, what's a, from what is forbidden? Pretty stoked. Yeah, and yeah. Fanatic, they're pretty stoked. About yeah, it. I think we can confidently say that most of our sponsors, if not all of our sponsors, were really stoked about last season. And we were stoked on all the brands we were working with. Like, oh, I forgot to mention Hayes Brakes at the beginning. <laughs> no, like, you said it. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think I did. But we love Hayes Brakes. Yeah, we love we Fox Suspension, Forbidden Bikes. Like, all of these brands under the Fanatic umbrella, they were all excited to work with us again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, pretty much the same program next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate you guys, especially at the, uh, we put on those local, little local races we did and you guys came up and took however many laps with Groms was really, really, we're moving really really sick for you guys to do that. Well, we loved the opportunity to be there and the bonus was you let us race at the end. Yeah. We do like to put on a race and put a clock against (laughs) us. We had to be there. Yeah. Yeah, Not a lot of local races with live results. Right. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Instant results. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, we'll be there next season. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to you guys pedaling around with the pedaling around with the Groms more. Right now, Eric has the kids out at the bike ranch. Yeah. So thanks to the bike ranch, but thanks, Eric, for doing that. They're of course. Just I mean, I'm just... Super motivated for that. I'm just showing up and forcing them to go hard. But it's really, uh, it's really Steve who, you know, allows us to use the bike ranch. It's amazing covered facility. We love it and we appreciate it. Um, all right. I'm looking forward to following you guys next year. I'm excited for the race season. Yeah. You might see Eric, um, biking between the rounds. I'll put that out there. Uh, I'm not going to be driving between the EWS rounds. Like I can confidently say that. Um, yeah, it's going to be like me riding from my house <laughs> in Bellingham to Port Angeles, but instead Except I'll be going miles. through Paris, France. 
<laughs> and I'm really excited. Let's hope the autobahn allows bikes. Yeah. There's a train on that section, I promise. Yeah. Dude, I can just drop it into high gear and we'll be good to go. All right. I just think that's, I think that's the best. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, fellas, for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Right. Thank you. All right. See you.